strange, weird, almost indescribable, a total failure. Dabo and Kelly's comments on Clemson and LSU's season opening eggs, but also the scoring on the show. But there is a very describable feeling to <laughs> panelists who went on TV and doubted Dion in that opener, and that description is mute. Tim Kalashaw, Courtney Cronin, and Pablo Torre finds out a mute. Harry Lyles, getting a little bonus. You were on Dion early. Let's go around the horn. Someone had to be. I deserve that. I was saving it. College football's long week one weekend ending with Duke upsetting Clemson and a storming of the field at Duke and Florida State rolling LSU the way they did. But there was nothing more seismic, more nuclear than Colorado's win over TCU. What's up, bro? You believe that? You, you, hold on, hold on, hold on, oh no. Do you believe that? Huh? Who said I didn't believe oh, before? No, no, no. I read through that bull junkie wrote. Deion Sanders now the head coach of the number 22 team in the country. Start there, Harry Lyles. Do you believe? I do believe, and I think I believe a lot of people found out that they did not do a very good job of separating about how they feel about how Dion went about his business personally compared to what he was actually putting together at Colorado. When he had the famous quote, about I'm bringing my luggage with me and it's Louie, he was not talking about actual luggage. He was talking about the players that he was bringing in. Travis Hunter is Louie. Shadur Sanders is Louie. Alton McCaskill running back, Louie. You get the message, right? Like they were not just bringing in players that were congruent or the same as a team that went one and 11 last year. He was bringing in new players. You saw those on display on Saturday and you saw the results from them. Now some context, I will say, Colorado still gave up 500 yards on defense, only had 55 yards rushing. So there's things that they still need to work on, but this was never going to be a team that was the worst in FBS, a team that wasn't going to be more talented mm. than it was last year. And you saw the result of that mm. on Saturday. Some thought that was going to be the case. I want to get to the rest of the national panel, but a follow-up here, because you are our show's college football reporter, Harry. How big a deal is Dion building the team from scratch in a summer and is it okay to call out the doubters like we just heard on that tape? It's okay to call out the doubters if you're ready for the doubters to throw it back at you at some point or another because you do have Oregon and USC coming up on the schedule in about three or four weeks, right? So as long as you're okay with dishing it out, you got to take it as well. But this is going to be something that you see much more often in college football. In fact, USC and Lincoln Riley did it the past couple of years. They, we just didn't really talk about it as much because he wasn't as loud about it as Dion was. Wasn't 86 new players, though, in that case, USC. Pablo Torre, what did you find out with Dion in Colorado this weekend? I found out, Tony, that Dion was actually more subtle than I expected. I expected <laughs> Dion Sanders to host every cable television program all week after doing what he did. And he gets to crow because it wasn't just the gas bags like myself, admittedly. It was Vegas. 20 to 21 point underdogs was Colorado, a brand, a program that no one thought was even close to cool. And now you wake up on a Monday, on a Sunday, and you're like, okay, actually, we have to reconsider how we saw this entire thing. And with Dion, Tony, it's one thing to talk about him being just, you know, the front man, the promotional tool behind this. 
but it's his freaking son who's the quarterback. It's the two-way player, Travis Hunter, who molded himself seemingly in the vein of Dion, except doing it better than Dion did, playing receiver, it seems. And so Dion's fingerprints, his DNA, is literally on that field, and he should take a victory lap that is Dion-sized. And I'm surprised that it wasn't actually even bigger. Good Callis, I'll bring you in here. Are you a believer now in Colorado and Dion? Tony, as the only panelist here who matriculated his freshman year at Boulder, I, I bring a special insight to this situation here. Yes, I believe. I, unlike my former colleague, Ed Werder, I believe in, in all of it, except for the fact that Dion thinks Ed still writes. He was a little confused there. But beyond that, uh, everything they put on for a show was fantastic. Shadur Sanders, 510 yards, the two-way magic of, of Travis Hunter, and, and, and all the rest. And, you know, we listen to NFL coaches talk about, well, we've got three new offensive linemen. You can't expect continuity. Here comes 86 new players <laughs> with no preseason games. And they just go out there. So maybe a little bit too much is made out of it. I mean, we had this discussion on the show. They have no – they were so bad last year. Those weren't the guys we saw this weekend. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, this was a completely different set of guys, and it's going to be whatever happens, as Harry mentions. USC and Oregon, they may, they may stumble here, but they're going to be – Fascinating to watch. Mm -hmm. Courtney Cronin. I'd like to say I wasn't a doubter. I was just more concerned about the unknown. 86 new players. How are you sure that that's going to be a team that can win a game as a 21-point underdog? So much of this, though, is about coaching and the staff that Dion has assembled. I had an NFL source text me in the middle of this game telling me to go look at the coaching roster and say this reads like a pro staff. All of that said, take a look at all the cutaways that we saw of Deion Sanders on Saturday. The mic on his headset was up. He was letting his coordinators do their job to get these guys ready to go in and beat a TCU team that right now is unranked. I think that we might have been putting a little bit too much on TCU's national championship mm -hmm. game resume from last year. They nearly lost four games last season. Maybe they're not as good as we think they are this season. That's taking nothing away from mm, Colorado. It sounds like you're trying to take something away, though. I, the line was, I wasn't a doubter. I was more uh, unknown, fear of the unknown here. Oh, that, that, that goes hand in hand, doesn't it? I want to ask a, a, a follow-up question to Pablo Torre, a team taking on the personality of the coach, is how you, how you expressed it earlier. Shadur Sanders is a half a thou passing. And then he's saying there's not so much difference between FCS and FBS. Is it okay for him to say that? Well, I love it, Tony. And look, there is a fine tradition of players, Shannon Sharp, Jerry Rice, who've gone to you know, HBCUs and been obviously thriving at the highest level. So to me, it was eye-opening in that way. Yes, I felt like I underestimated the entire premise now of the FCS after watching him. It was a fair point. Parallels? I mean, Shador can say that because of one stat. He was 13 for 18 with three touchdowns under pressure. If he feels like it's the same, yes. I mean, his numbers showed it. Courtney Cronin? Travis Hunter had a chance to go to Florida State, and he decided to follow Deion Sanders. He may be the best two-way player in college football since Charles Woodson. So, yeah, I do think that there's a lot here to love. And, you know, for all the disingenuous comments that were made about the roster, ones that talked about Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter, the other cornerback they have who might be an NFL prospect, and then in that same breath to say it's the worst roster, maybe more than UMass football, which won its opener, by the way, two weeks ago. 
I think that those are the comments that are fair to be called out because very clearly the talent they have is something to be recognized and it helped them win the biggest game that they've won since the 2000s. Being a two-way player like Travis Hunter, Tim, and, and the number of snaps he played in the entirety of the game, is that a sustainable thing? It's 100 degrees in Fort Worth while he's doing it. It's not the most pleasant football afternoon either. Um, they're probably not sustainable to do it at that level. That's, that's two NFL games worth of plays. <laughs> but uh, he, he can do a little of both. And, and Shador Sanders, you know, throwing over 80%, you got you to gotta wonder when the last time uh, a team split Heisman votes. It certainly wasn't the Colorado Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So seismic is the word I use to describe what it was for Colorado to come out and beat TCU in the opener. But how about Florida State back? National title back? That's the question I'm going to ask you next. The gear they had in the second half was real and spectacular. Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, maybe they're going to split Heisman votes. Monster hook up there for Florida State. And then on the other side of the field, how bad of a loss is this for LSU? For Brian Kelly, not a heck beaten out of opponent as Kelly hoped. And a loss for the family. And whether Clemson is down for a real, another question I'll ask you. Dabo Sweeney last night called it a strange loss, a weird loss, and almost indescribable feeling. So Tim, your week one reaction or overreaction? Florida State's ascent or LSU or Clemson's descent? What do you want to focus on? I'm going to go with the ascent of Florida State. And, and I realize they actually beat LSU last year before LSU kind of found itself and got going and won the West and became a legitimate top 10 team. That's why I think beating them again, beating them this year when LSU had hopes of a, a CFP visit at the end of the year, I think that's a bigger deal. And the way they put them away in the second half, made adjustments with their run game, just kind of destroyed them, pushed them around really in the second half. That's what, that's what I liked about Give Florida us the State. poll quote though. Florida State, national titles, team back in the conversation? Well, they are. If, if Clemson's going to keep losing to Duke, that's going to, you know, if, if they're, if, if that kind of opens the door in the ACC for them to be the team to talk about. Tony Cronin. LSU's in trouble, Tony. We know that the CFP takes a look at the quality of wins and how teams win game. They allowed 31 unanswered points in the second half before that late touchdown, and this really hurts their chances because they're going to have to run the table in the SEC. Remember, they have to go to Alabama this year in a couple of months. It's not going to be easy to go through their SEC West schedule to get into the SEC title game, but I just think about what happened in the first half. Those trips inside the red zone, akin to something that Clemson knows all too well about yesterday. If you don't come away with points on those possessions, it's really hard to win games. And that's what happened to them in the first half before they squandered their halftime lead. Harry Lyles Jr., you want to talk about Florida State's ascent or the descent of LSU or even Clemson? Honestly, I just don't think this could have been a bigger weekend for Florida State. When you hired Mike Norvell away from Memphis, this is exactly what you wanted this thing to look like. They were scoring at will. 
in the second half of that football game. And if you look forward, we've talked about this Florida State team contending for the playoff at the beginning of the season before we saw anything that happened this weekend, right? We saw them play very well against an LSU team that I still think is a good football team. But then you also watch what happens to Clemson in the way that Duke beat them as well. If you look at Florida State's schedule, go find the loss on there for me. It looks like the hardest game that they have left is against a Duke football team that I do think is good. And credit to Mike Elko and Riley Leonard, a great quarterback. But Florida State looks like they are in the driver's seat, and the only thing that could get in their way of the playoff at this point is themselves. Your takeaway also Florida State, Pablo Torre? No, my takeaway is Clemson for the reasons that Harry said, actually. I mean, Davo Swinney, Tony, he called it the strangest game he'd ever seen but participated in whatever. And to me, it understates it. Like, he tried to spin it, actually. It was funny afterwards talking about how the process of Clemson was strong. Time of possession, first downs, yardage, all of that. No team had ever lost a game like that. But I just want to remind Dabo, like, as a process guy, with the process, they tried to lose on purpose. In this case, it didn't seem like you guys had a real strategy or a cleverness. It was just, oh, we're just choking repeatedly in the red zone. Not good. Florida State Clemson. September 23rd, that's next on the schedule. Harry, I'm going to ask you a, a real hot take type of question. Do you believe the window is closed on Clemson being the dynastic team that they were just five years ago? And as I set you up with that, here's video of Clemson quarterback zooming past Davo Swinney and not giving him some depth. Do you believe it's over for Clemson? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think so, unless he is willing to adapt with the times. I mean, this team's not even taking transfers, and you just can't do that in college football nowadays. That'll be the last word. Five still next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, coming to you from the seaport. Brought to you by Grey Goose. USA 100, Italy 63, but ooh, what a good-looking matchup. Good-looking response from <laughs> Team America, which is what you want to see. But is the loss to Lithuania this weekend still echoing with you? That's the question I have, National Panel. Tim, you feel better or worse about Team USA after the response to the loss? I don't feel much better about beating Simone Fontecchio's team, Tony. I just think good looking. when they They're lose to looking. Lithuania the way they did, very good-looking. Uh, out-rebounded by 16, gave up over 50% three-point shots. I mean, what, what were they doing in that game? Sabonis didn't even play for Lithuania in that game. I just think they're still very vulnerable. 
I'm buying that they look like a team that was angry that they lost and in the fashion in which they did against Lithuania. Remember that Lithuanian player who stuck his tongue out at Austin Reeves? That was strange. Mm. He was allowed to get away with that. But look, Lithuania was their kryptonite. They are the best. They were, because they're not in the tournament anymore. They were the best rebounding team remaining. And against Italy, the United States got back on track. And they also got back on track with their bench contributions after being scored, outscored by 23 over the last Lyles Jr., you're back to feeling good about this team? I feel better about it. This is the type of response you want to see from what is a young USA team. And they did get out-rebounded against Lithuania. 43, I think 27, you cannot have that. So for a young basketball team that's still trying to figure things out, this is the type of response that you need to see, even if you don't feel like Italy is a great basketball team. Pablo Torre. And I think there is some context here that's useful, Tony, as the only panelist here who hails ancestrally from the country that is hosting this tournament. The Philippines loves this American squad so much, they treat Austin Reeves like he's John Lennon. It's not an exaggeration, look at the videos. So just the idea that they needed a wake-up call, like, oh, wait a minute, Lithuania actually is a competitor here. We can't just cakewalk our way to the gold medal game. Actually useful to me, given what I imagine the Philippines is like right mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. That's what Pablo found out today. We'll move on. Buy or sell to Rich Paul's take on why LeBron is greater than Jordan. I, I, you all saw this, right? You said it on Gil's Arena that LeBron is the first player to have to deal with 24-7-365 news cycle of sports and opinions from those not really capable of even having expertise to a valid opinion, but also that LeBron chose his own way and did it all while having to be compared to Michael Jordan. Quote, he had to be compared to Mike. Who did Mike have to be compared to? is how LeBron's agent posed it. Pablo, buy or sell? Rich Paul's take there. I, I buy the idea that LeBron has dealt with an era with the internet and with media that is very different and more overwhelming. That's fair. But I just want to sell this entire debate, Tony, because I've gotten a vision of a post-apocalyptic landscape. Cockroaches are skidding across the surface. Few people still exist, but whoever lives is still arguing about Michael Jordan and LeBron James. We're still gonna be doing this in the year 3000, apparently. Just new angles all the time that are the same old angles. Harry? Man, if we're still arguing about LeBron and Mike that far down, we will be gone before then. Uh, but no, I don't think that this sways it one way or another. To me, the greatest is about how do you feel about a combination of skill and accomplishments, and that's really just about it. And I don't think this entire thing about the opinion thing really adds up because LeBron has taken criticism from people like Kareem not well. So uh, to me, that point doesn't stand either. I get where Rich Paul was going, but he didn't quite stick the landing. Gordon Cronin? I'm selling this because Michael Jordan dealt with a different version of this in his own era of tabloid journalism, of people following him around wherever he went, whether it was to golf courses here in Chicago or casinos, wherever it was, it was still it was still very similar to what LeBron James deals with, although there wasn't X or Instagram or whatever else. I'm selling that Rich Paul is putting this out there in a way to kind of make us feel sorry for LeBron, that he's had to put up with all of this in spite of being the greatest of his generation. This doesn't define somebody. Defying somebody's opinion on a sports talk show like this one doesn't make you a better basketball player than somebody else. It's an on-court debate that had nothing to do with these comments, although Outside of this, it was a very good interview. Good outside of the MJ and Steph stuff. Yeah, this is such a nothing argument that Rich Paul's trying to make. It's not as if when Michael Jordan went to Atlantic City gambling all night in a playoff series, nobody in New York knew about it. It's on the back page 
of the Daily News and the Post when a million people were reading these things called newspapers. And it was all over NBC <laughs> and, and, you know, in the playoffs in those games. On the other hand, while there's more media now and more social media, superstars can go around it and have 30 million followers on their own Instagram accounts, and they can deliver all the messages they want to put out there without having to deal. The social media being one thing, put that to the side for a second. I think it's part of what Rich Paul's saying is, but do you believe today's journalistic media are as hard on athletes as they were 25, 30 years ago, Tim, when you were breaking into no, them? I, no, there's, there's a lot more people trying to increase their value whether it's through subscriptions or page views, uh, clicks by thinking if I'm a cheerleader for the team, this is going to do better for me, unfortunately. Thanks for that thought, Tim, Courtney. Harry Lowes Jr. and Pablo Torre finds out what showdown's like next. Tell us about that play and how it developed. So pretty much, I'm out here with my son. This is our first ever game. And I just wanted to make the moment special for him. Y'all got to understand, when it's dropping down, it looked like it's coming directly to you. The reaction was shock, disgust, happiness, sweat, a little bit of lust, baby. You feel me? I was in there feeling kind of kind of hurt, my fingers still shaking a little bit. Charlie Ray, we're going to be on TV, baby. Houston loves me, and I love Houston. And they cannot for supporting the Astros. Oh my goodness, best fan interview of all time, Harry, or best fan interview of all time. It is 100% the best of all time. Charlie Ray, you're on TV again. I love how his dad was not gonna let this be anything but an incredible moment. He put his arm around Buster Olney. Talk about being the most comfortable person in the entire stadium. Mm. The Asteroids, Tony. I want Houston Asteroids <laughs> I merch. I just like that God blessed us with the person on this planet who is the most unlike Steve Bartman of anybody else. You know, just you an bring that up. Blessing. I, my yes, mind went is... to that, too. And it, it just made me, again, feel sad and that we all owe Steve Bartman an apology because, as he said, when it's coming to you, it looks like it's coming to you. What are you supposed to do? It's the most natural thing in the world. It does. But the length of lust. it, the asteroids, the, the little bit of lust involved with all of it, the great dad that he appeared to be there, that was amazing. But, Pablo Torre, this is your moment. Please take it. Thank you, Tony. I am here to grovel with America. I have started a podcast. Yes. Another dude with a podcast, but this podcast is a special podcast. It's called Pablo Torre Finds Out. I find things out. I answer urgent questions and I bleep around with my friends. I have art. I've had bad art on all of the ESPN programming for many months. But look, I have a logo. Pablo Torre Finds Out is a podcast. It's a YouTube show. I promise you and your friends, if you like seeing Dan Lebetard humiliated, will enjoy this first episode. That's a pretty good sales pitch, I think. And beyond that, actual sports journalism. Sports journalism that might just make Tim Kalashop proud of me. Pablo, since oh, long as we've known you, we've loved you, and you've always asked the right questions. Pablo Torre Finds Out. Go to YouTube. We'll see. Mm.